0: Hey, uh, I want to be honest with you guys tonight, um, it's, been, uh, it's been a crazy week. Uh, we are preparing to get ready for New York. God is doing some really cool stuff in the life of our student ministry. And um, so, despite my ability as a communicator, despite my ability as a human, um, God, is, God is going to intervene tonight. Uh, and so, will you just pray with me right now that, that despite Brian, that God's word would be spoken with me tonight. Can you pray that with me? God, we just come to you right now. That God, that you are all powerful. God, that you are in control. God, that we have nothing to fear in this world but you. God, you are indescribable. And God, we come before you right now, Father, humbly asking that God, that your word would be spoken tonight, Father, that we would hear your word, that, God, we would come to understand what it means to hear your scripture spoken, God, as we look at a passage, as we look at a thought, God, as we look into your word, God, that you would be speaking, Father, you would set aside Brian, you would set aside all distraction, and, God, that we would hear from you tonight, God, may these students delight in you. God, we love you, and we thank you for that, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, tonight, we have uh, kind of a cool scenario. I want to I be able to um, drop some stuff before you. And so, tonight, we're going to kind of look at... We've, oftentimes, we look in our life at the, the who, what, when, and where, right? We, we, we associate those questions with every aspect of our life. We ask who's involved what's going to be happening, where it's going to be, when it is, right? A lot of times we forget the how, okay? The how gets left out, and it's kind of the little friend that's little known and, and, and often left out. So tonight we're going to look at the how. You guys with me? We're going to look at the how and what that means tonight. I want you to watch this video clip real quick, and, uh, and then we'll get going. Jacket, and then she made me do the dishes. Oh, your poor little mommy made you do the we big fat dishes. Hey, you want some more? Some more what? No, I'm no, no, you want a s'more? Uh, okay. to... I haven't had anything yet. So how can I have some more of nothing? Shut up! You're killing me, smalls All right. We'll cut one. These are s'more stuff. Okay, pay attention. First, you take the gram You stick the chocolate on the ground. Then you roast We're the mala. No, it's not sleeping back. It's When the malish flaming, yes, it is yours. It is the yellow stain. You stick it on the chocolate. I'm gonna set the place then on fire him. You cover it with the other end. Here, make me one of those. Yeah, me too. Then you scuff. I don't like that chocolate. It's kind of nasty. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Still to this day, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Porter. Porter in the Sandlight is showing uh, Smalls how to cook a s'more, right? The, there, it's not just a simple take a graham cracker, okay? And then maybe we'll we'll just put it there and then maybe we'll we'll put that there. And then is that how is that how it works? This isn't how it works? Okay. So maybe. Maybe if we do this, we could Google, Google That it. actually looks pretty good. Is no, that? That's not right. That's not right. Okay. That that looks really good. It did look good, but it was okay. a s'more. So okay, maybe. All right. So maybe try, this. Try if we do this. If we do. Maybe we maybe do. three graham crackers. And then we do that there. Is that, Is that it? No. Is that how you make it s'more? No, that's not. All right. How you do it. All right. Why don't you light that up? Okay, well, okay right on, here in front fire. of you tonight. We're yeah, flaming man. He Flamer. he said it was he said it was a flaming mallow. <laughs> All right. So, what's the right order? What's the right order? Take this, right, and then what? Then you stick the chocolate on the Graham, right? Then you roast the mallow. <laughs> We're getting real dangerous in student ministry tonight. All right. Wait, wait you gotta make it brown. The, ma- the Mallow's flaming, bro. <laughs> A little burnt. Stick the mallow on the chocolate. Then you what? Cover with the other side, and then scarf. You give stuff. It to me. <laughs> <laughs> give Chris a hand. <laughs> so if we take, if we take a, if we take a graham cracker and we stick a chocolate on there, and cover with the other end. Yeah, it smells like fire up here uh it's it's not it's not the same right it's not it's not a s'more like no matter how you get to the end result right porter was putting a lot of emphasis on the how right how you get from point a to point b right there's a process involved And so he was talking about, okay, you got to put the cram cracker on, then you got to put the chocolate on, then you got to put the mallow on, then you got to cover with the other end, right? There's a process to it. It doesn't just happen, right? And so that's kind of where we're at tonight. We're going to be talking about why the how matters, okay? If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Why the how matters? Because tonight we're going to get into it. Take your Bibles, if you have them, open up to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. We ask this question a lot of times, what, who, what, when, where, but we forget the how. And so we want to look at the how tonight, okay, and I just want to lay a little groundwork. What, what does it mean, like, how do we know about God? Like, what do we know about God? Somebody tell me what we know about God. Huh? I can't hear you. He's our Savior, okay. Okay, what do we know about God, like, like the ultimate thing, what do we know? Okay, you're on the right track. Okay, you're like there's, there's just like, what's the difference between God and us? He is holy. My, my long-haired friend back there got it. He is holy, right? God is holy. I know, man. I don't have any hair. It's okay. I, I, I feel you. Uh, I, I, I wish I had the locks. It's okay. But <laughs> what do we know about God? We know that God is holy, right? It's w- probably the best and main difference from us and God, right? We know that he is holy and we are not. We with, are you with me? Like, God is holy, right? What else do we know about God? That he is, like, fiercely, like, what's the biggest word you can think of? Like, ferociously huge, God is so big, right? You think about God, you think about like you probably think about, you know, some dude up in the sky with a white beard just stroking it, right? But God is God is huge. He's bigger than you can ever dream of or imagine, right? He is so big. And we know that God is holy, and we know that he is big. He's bigger than we could ever dream of or imagine. He's he does so much bigger things than we could ever comprehend, right? We know that God is holy, that God is great, ferociously great. And we know that one little thing we often forget, that God is committed to our holiness. God is committed to our holiness. God is holy, God is great, and God is really committed to our holiness. God is really committed to your holiness. Ephesians 1, how do we become holy people? You ever think about that when you're going about your day like like how how do we become holy people? There's a process, right? We, we understand like salvation, like if we if we if we do know Jesus, we 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 get that he came and died on the cross, right? But like how do we become holy people? You guys ever think about that right here? You guys ever think about that? How do we become holy people? All too often we we, we, we try to do things that oppose God. Like, we don't even mean to. Like, we just have this, we have sin. Like, we have a human nature about us that, that opposes God, right? And we don't fully understand, like, how we can become holy. But Scripture talks about it. Like, we, we, there's an example. Like, you, you, anybody taking a test recently? Like, today or this week? Yeah. Did you walk away, like, saying, man, I nailed that test? Anybody? Yeah? <laughs> you failed that test? All right. A lot of times we walk away from, like, little things like that. Like, you think about tests in the grand scheme of things. It's not that big. But, like, for us, it's a big thing, right? Like, I have to take a test next week in one of my courses. Like, I get it. I'm with you. But, like, we, sometimes we walk away from those things and we say, like, man, we nailed it. When in reality, we probably should be saying... Like, praise God, you helped me pass that test. Like, you helped me through it, right? That's kind of like, that's what we're talking about. We don't really think about the fact that God has been helping us all along. We kind of try to take things on ourselves. We, We often do things that oppose God. We don't even think about it, right? Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Here we go. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ and every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us, think about that, as he chose us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined. Don't be intimidated by the word, it just means to, to determine beforehand. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. God shows you, right? If you come to know him, God shows you. And he said, before the foundation of the world, like before the world was even in existence, he created you to be holy and blameless. Not cool, but what do we know? We know that Genesis three tells us that all of all have, have been born into sin because of the fall. We're all born into sin. So God said before the foundation of the world, I created you to be holy and blameless. But something went wrong, right? Something went wrong. We sin. We don't become holy and blameless anymore, right? Something went wrong. A lot of times we kind of have this mentality if we can like the like if we can come to the table and offer God, like, the things that we have in our lives, like, man, God, I I offer you my sports, I offer you, like, the things that I do really well, and I'm going to bring those to the table, and then you bring what you bring to the table, and and it'll work out. When in reality, the more stuff that we bring to the table, the further away we're pushing God from the table in general. Think about it. The more that you think that you're just good enough, or that you do good things, or that you're really kind. Or that you're like really just a nice person and you can do a lot of good things and you can just put all that air and you're like, God, here, take all this stuff, put it on the table. Do we ever do that? I'd do that. Like just, man, like I, I did this really good thing the other day. God, I'm going to put that on the table and then you meet me halfway and it'll, it'll be awesome. But, but we put all this stuff on the table and we think that God's going to accept it, that, that, that we can do things that are good enough to get God to respond to us. And the more we do that, the more we push God even away from the table in general. We just push him away. The only thing that... One, I love this phrase. I've heard it many times by a lot of different people, so I don't know who originally said it. But the only thing... Check this out. The only thing that we have to bring to the table is the sin that we commit. Think about that. The only thing that you have to offer God is the sin that you inherited. The sin that you commit. The only thing that you bring to the table is the sin that makes your salvation necessary. The fact that God has to come and, and save you. That's the only thing you offer to God is your sin. Think about it. So you're like, how, well, how do we become a holy people? Like, you're telling us that we there's there's really nothing we can do. Like, there's... like. We, we, we come to God, and this is the only thing that we have to offer is the sin that we commit. So, what does that mean? Like, how do we become a holy people? We try to build our own kingdoms, and we leave God out of it. But, the, but remember the last thing that God is ferociously huge, and God is committed to your holiness. Check out ver, uh, chapter 2, Ephesians 2, first starting in verse 1 and you were dead, okay? Everybody know what dead is? Like, done, out. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Check this out. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and in the mind, were the nature of children's wrath Check that out. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I'm stop right there. You were dead. You get that? If you know Christ as your, as your Savior and Lord, praise God, because once you were dead. If you don't know Christ, you're dead. You with me? I, I believe you as a middle school student that you have the intelligence and the brain to catch this. You're dead. You were dead. Nothing. Nothing you can do about it. I spent some time in, in, a, in a funeral home once. Um, one of my best friends worked in a funeral home, and I got a chance to be around him a little bit. And I'm telling you, man, being around dead people, there's, there's some things that they don't do very well. They don't, like, move around a lot. They don't make very good decisions. Like, dead people are dead, okay? Like, that's just the way it is. And so he's saying, you were dead in your trespass. You were dead in your sin. You, there was nothing you could do. You couldn't make good decisions. You couldn't move around a lot. You couldn't do a lot of good things. You were dead. You get that? Check this out. These first few verses, like they just overly like exude, like articulate the, that holiness in and of yourself is an impossibility. That you, there's nothing you can do. You get that? Ephesians 2.4. Check this out. But God. Did you hear that? Verse 3, it says, like, for us hyper-spiritual, like the ones that grew up in church and think that we know everything... Like in verse 3, it says that uh, among whom we all, okay, that that includes everybody, like not just the ones that like maybe came to Christ later or don't really know that much, like all of us, right? There's nothing we could do. We couldn't bring anything to the table. We're all dead. There's nothing we could, like, there's no way we can make this happen, right? And he says, all were dead, and we were by nature children of wrath, okay? Like, you get, like, wrath is bad. Okay? <laughs> wrath is it, not good. So you were n- by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God. But God. You never thought about how much a, like a, a conjunction word would be so meaningful, right? But God. Being rich in mercy because of the great Love with which he loved us. Listen to this. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. God made us alive together with Christ. Even though you were dead, it says he loved you. You see that? Even though you were dead, he says he loved you. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, because of his great love, John three sixteen, which which he loved us even though we were dead, he made us alive together with him. His great love is present even when you're dead in your sins. If you, like, really listen to these words and not just, like, play church tonight, not just come and, like, because you want to talk to a girl or because like you're, you're like, you know, maybe your friend was here and you wanted to come or whatever. Like if you're just like stop that and like just not play church tonight, if you'll like really listen to this, you, you, this is like insanely profound stuff. Like God's still working on me. Like I'm still trying to comprehend it myself. Like trust me, every after like 25 years in Bible school knowledge, you, you, it's, it's hard. Like you were dead says, God loved you so much. This is insanely beautiful. God loved you so much, even though you were dead, he made you alive together with him. His love is so profound. Like, even, like, the ages of, of, like, time, like, past, back in the Old Testament, like, even the New Testament, all the way through the past 2,000 years or so, all the way up to now, like, all this time that God has doling out love over his people, doling out love over everything and everybody over all this period of time for ages and generations, and now he's, like, still doing it. And this is just a snippet of how great his love is. you get that? Like, he's been doing it for a long time, and it, it's just a little bit because of his great love. Check out verse 6. by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus, Christ Jesus this is this is this is your verse right here like the butt god was probably the main one but here's, here's like a really sub main one it says for by grace You have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. It is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You have nothing to boast in apart from Jesus. God gave you everything you needed to get to him. Even the faith, even the faith that God says you have to, like by grace, you've been saved through faith, like faith is an action, like you you have to then like take that salvation and believe in him, right? Even the faith that it takes to believe those things, God gave it to you. So that you don't have to boast about anything because it's not about you. It's not about me. God did it all. Like, he, he, he made it all there for you. Like, he just gift-wrapped it and gave it to you. It's a free gift, man. He just, he put it all in there. He gave you the faith. He gave you a little bit of salvation, or a lot of the salvation, all this stuff in a box, and he just gave it to you. You didn't have to pay for it or nothing. You can't pay for it. Anything you bring to the table... It's not good enough. God made you alive together with him by his free gift of grace. God's grace has been given to you. Like, Scripture hammers this, like, over and over, that that God does it all for us. That there's nothing we could do. He does it all. Even the faith, man, even the faith it takes. Read verse 10 with me. We're almost done. Read verse 10 with me. It says, "We are his workmanship." It's kind of cool, right? God created us like we're his like prize masterpiece. We're his workmanship." It says, "For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them." I think the main thing to point out in this verse is that God's working on us, yeah? Like as much as like, we think we have it all together. And much as we like to pretend that we have it all together and we come here on Wednesday night or Sunday and we, we kind of play church a little bit, like God's still working on us. Like he's working on our hearts and like he's still working on me too. So don't worry, you're not left out. God is still working on us. And he's chiseling a little bit and he's like hammering a little bit and he's like just keeping going. You guys with me right here? Right, right here? You with me? All right. He's like still chiseling at you, he's still working on you, and he created you to be his workmanship. And he created you for good works. So like, what's the process? Like, how do we get there? Well, the process is right there in verse 4. We looked at it, it says, But God. Because once we were children of wrath, and now we have a way to salvation. Now we have a way to holiness. You get that? Once you were a child of wrath, But God gave you holiness, gave you a way out, gave you salvation, gave you everything you ever needed, gave you anything and everything that you could ever imagine, and he laid it all out before you, and he made a way. But God, he took care of it. 2,000 years ago, God came in the form of man, and he came to earth in Christ, and he came to die on a cross, for your sin and for my sin. And when he did so, he gave us a way out. His blood covered it all. His blood covered it all. Even a sixth grade guy, he covered your blood. His blood covered it all. And God, being rich in mercy, and because of his great love, gave you a way out. So now... Now that we know why the how matters, (laughs) what now? Well, for some of you, if you don't know Christ or if you've been kind of playing the church game and you kind of, you know, back here talking to your friends and you don't really know, like, Jesus that well, or you may not know him at all, like, for some of you, it means it's time. Because God took you, you were dead. And he can make you alive in Christ. He can make you alive in Christ. And for others of us, it means verse 10 is your, is your home camp. Because now that you know how you get there, it says God has created you as a workmanship prepared to good, do good works. Like he's, he's given you a task. Which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. He's telling us to sh- start striving. He's telling us to start striving. In Hebrews... Chapter 12, verse 14, it says, strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. It tells us to strive. Strive for holiness. Everything has been gifted to you. All you have to do is just strive. Another translation, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Write it down, tweet it, put it right on your mirror when you get home. Like, Fix your eyes on Jesus. God's gifted you everything you need it's giving you the faith that you need to even believe it. It's giving you everything. You have nothing to boast in yourself about. No reason to boast in yourself. Even when you hit a, hit a home run or when you steal a base in baseball, God helped you do it. You have nothing to boast in. God has given you everything you need. And now he's telling you to fix, his, fix your eyes on him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. God, I just praise you right now, Father. I want to give you the praise that you deserve, God, that you ultimately deserve, that, God, that we have nothing to do in this world apart from you. God, we have nothing to offer you. God, we have nothing to offer but the sin that makes our salvation necessary. And, God, we need you tonight. We need you right now to give us the opportunity to come to you, God, and we have it right here tonight. And, God, I just want to pray. That, God, if somebody in this room does not know you tonight, that, God, that they will wake up. That, God, that they are no longer, they don't longer have to sit and be dead in their trespasses and sin, but, God, that you can make them alive in Christ. So, God, the stuff that they're toiling with, the stuff that they're struggling with, the stuff that they're just messing around in, God, that you can pick them up. You can literally reach down and grab them out of where they are. But, God, came in and reached out and grabbed them and pulled them into safety. And God, I believe that you can do that here tonight with somebody in this room. God, if they don't know you, God, just work it in your, in your grand plan, Father, for that to happen right now here tonight. And if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you if, you, if you just, like, if you're struggling, if you don't know who Christ is in your life, if you don't have that, I just want you to look up at me. I just want you to look up at me. I see you. If you look at me, you can look look, and look back down. If that's you tonight, if you need that, praise God. You don't longer have to be dead. God can rescue you, and he can change you. So if that's you tonight, if you looked up at me and I saw you, man, don't leave this room without coming and talking to me. Don't leave this room without coming and talking to one of our leaders. For the rest of us, We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. God, just please help us tonight to understand how we can fix our eyes on Jesus, how we can, Father, give you praise in everything that we do, God, that we don't have anything to boast in ourselves about, but God, we can give you the praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for these students. Thank you for their hearts, their lives. Thank you for their willingness to come here on a Wednesday night and take time out of their busy schedules and stuff that they have to do, Father, to be able to come here tonight and and worship you. And God, we love you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.